This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Yes, indeed. What's going on, New York City? Dan Grosser with you here on this Sunday morning, 17th day of October here on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We're taking it right up until 1 o'clock this afternoon in the kickoff of the Week 6 slate in the National Football League. Tonight you'll get to hear Game 2 of the NLCS between the Bravos and the Dodgers as the Dodgers try to even up the series after the Braves won on a walk-off last night. You get that at 7 o'clock this afternoon. Before that, though, my pal Larry Hardesty is going to check in at 4 o'clock. But it is a Week 6 of the National Football League. we got plenty of things to go through. We'll go through all the games, all the storylines. We'll give you some picks a little bit later on before we get out of Dodge. And we'll also give a little look-see into one of the teams that's not playing today. That would, of course, be the New York Jets on the bye week. We'll take stock on the green and white at the bye a little bit later on in the program. As, as, as Ty Butler, who was producing this program, my buddy, my pal, said a little while ago, it's like I, I'm obligated to be on these airwaves at 11 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, whether the Jets are playing or whether they're not playing. But I'm here regardless, and we'll have some fun over the next couple of hours. There is a game going on right now that will be in London between the Jaguars and the Dolphins. Apologies to our friends abroad for having to sit through that today. But Jaguars just put one in the end zone, so they have narrowed the deficit. It's 13-10 Miami, under a minute to go in the first half. But we'll see uh, what the second half has in store there. Probably end while we're still on the air over the next couple of hours, as a matter of fact. Two is back for the fish today. He's looked okay. You know, he's missed some throws. He's also made a couple of good ones, too. And the Dolphins have a 13-10 lead with their starting quarterback back in the saddle. And... You know, the only thing I'll say about this, and everybody knows how much of a disaster the Jacksonville Jaguars are with the Urban Meyer um, soap opera off the field and all that drama. I mean, if the Jaguars lose today, and, and I'm not Shad Khan, I'm not the owner of this football team, but if the Jaguars lose today, you, I, with everything that has transpired with that football team involving the head coach, and they probably should have pulled the plug a couple of weeks ago when with the whole thing, with not flying back with the team and the – you know, the, the pictures that surfaced and everything. If they lose this game today, and, and, and more so in an embarrassing fashion, if it really gets away from them in the second half, what are you doing? You know what I mean? You might as well just pull the plug right now because it's not going to get any better. It's not. This, this Urban Meyer experiment to the NFL is not going to work. Never thought it was going to work. It never will work. And if you're the Jaguars, now that you have the bye week next week, you might as well just cut your losses now and then begin a transition period as to who's going to take over for the rest of the season. Give them an extra week to do that. That's what I would do. But you know what? It's not my money, and I'm not owning the team, and that's not even a direction I would have looked to go in the first place if I was looking at a new head coach for my organization. But that's their problem, not ours. We'll talk about things a little bit closer to home here, starting with the football Giants, who at 1-4 and – on paper today, you know, when you look at this game against the Rams coming in, Rams 4-1, and one, playing really, really good football this season. As you know, the only time that they've stubbed their toe was against the unbeaten Arizona Cardinals, who Cardinals aren't going to have their head coach today, Cliff Kingsbury, because of COVID reasons. But the Rams are coming off like a mini-buy, if you will, because they had the Thursday night game against the Seattle Seahawks. But the Giants all banged up here. Um, and if you looked at their injury report, all week long, you know, as far as the practices were concerned, it kind of looked like one of those inactive lists for that final preseason game. I mean, it was literally a who's who on this football team that seemed to have some sort of an ailment, some sort of an issue that, you know, didn't allow them to get out on the practice field and maybe jeopardize their chances of playing football today. We know that Daniel Jones is going to be back. 
We know that um, he should have a couple of his weapons back in the fold here. Sterling Shepard looks like he's going to play. We'll get word on Darius Slayton and on Kadarius Toney. Andrew Thomas, those guys are working out here. They're listed as questionable. Once the inactive list comes out here in just a little bit, probably in about a half an hour, we'll know for sure if those guys are going to be available. So Jones will be back. Shepard will be back. But no Saquon, no Kenny Galladay. And we'll talk about those guys a little bit later on here. But on paper, when you look at this game today for the Giants, I, I think it goes without saying this is a bad matchup for them, right? I mean, this is a, a, a horrible matchup. Knowing what this Rams offense, led by Matthew Stafford, what they can do to opposing defenses, how they can pick you apart, especially through the air, this screams trouble any way you want to slice it for the Giants. And especially when you look at this defense right now, this defense has major concerns. You know, this was supposed to be one of the strengths of this football team, maybe the strength of this football team coming into the season. The way that they got better over the second half of the season last year with some of the talent that they were bringing back onto this football team, or not bringing back onto this football team, the talent they had on this football team and what you expected them to do. And, you know, while the offense was trying to integrate some of their new pieces and maybe get their footing a little bit, remember, at the beginning of the season – especially the fact that we have less preseason than we had before. First few weeks of the regular season, the defenses are always said to be ahead of the offenses. And especially with the Giants, you expected that to be the case. But the Giant defense just hasn't looked the part at all. I, I, I mean, they can't stop anything. And now we're into week six. And now you're expecting them to do their part to some degree to at least get this football team back on track and to at least get them to start playing football like we kind of expected to. I mean, as far as I was concerned, when you looked at this Giants team going into the season, I thought that they had a chance to make some noise in this NFC East. Now, I thought that the Cowboys on paper were the best team, but the Giants should at least have been a competitive football team. I thought this Giants football team, you know, could win in the neighborhood of eight, nine games and challenge for a wild card spot in the NFC this year. And so far, over the first five weeks of the season, it's kind of like the same old story when you look at this Giant squad compared to previous seasons. You know, if you're a Giant fan, the last several years, I mean, it's not even worth putting on the TV on Sunday afternoons in the months of September and October because it's just bad start after bad start after bad start, and by the time, you know, Halloween gets here, you're already playing out the string. What good is that? You know, how about starting a little bit faster? And I thought that there was opportunity at least this year. The way the schedule kind of played itself out for the Giants, that maybe they could have gotten off to at least a halfway decent start. You know, you can't tell me that week one game against the Denver Broncos with Teddy Bridgewater was not a winnable game on paper. It was. The game in Washington on that Thursday night, Giants should have won that game. They didn't. They should have won that game. That was self-inflicted wounds that night. That Falcon game that they ended up losing on a last-second field goal, that was a winnable game. And then it drives even more mad because they go down to New Orleans, and yeah, they beat the Saints. They got outclassed a little bit last week. Jones or no Jones finishing that game. All right, Cowboys are a better football team than the New York Giants. But it is a slow start again, and you're sitting here at 1-4, and four and your season is hanging in the balance. And you got an opponent coming in here next, or, or an opponent coming in here today in the L.A. Rams that on paper is better than you. And what is it going to take for you to win this game today? Well, for starters, 
I'm going to go back to the defense again. You're going to have to play a lot better. You're going to have to make Matthew Stafford's life a little bit miserable in that pocket. Stafford's the least sack quarterback in the National Football League this year. And unless the Giants are able to get some pressure on him, he is going to slice and dice this secondary apart, a secondary, mind you, that has been eaten alive this year. Eaten alive. Remember how great of a pickup James Bradbury was last year for this team? Remember how good he played last year? Where's that guy this year? I don't see him. They spent all that money for a Dory Jackson during the offseason, and we said at the time, like, boy, that's, that's a lot of money to give a Dory Jackson. Well, he hasn't lived up to it. And on the other side, when you see the likes of Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and our old friend Deshaun Jackson, who it doesn't matter what uniform he's wearing and it doesn't matter how old he is, he is still a deep threat in the National Football League. And if you're a Giant fan, you've seen enough of this guy terrorizing your football team over the years to realize that, you know what, he could still go off at any given time, especially in that stadium, which I don't have to bring up. It's good to see Daniel Jones back. Look, I didn't know if he was going to be able to play, and everything is in the hands of the concussion protocols. We're not privy to that stuff. We don't know what goes on behind the scenes, whether he goes through all these different stages, you know, step one, step two, step three, whatever it is. And if the medical people for the Giants and the doctors feel that, you know, he's progressing nicely and he's cleared to go ahead and play football today, then you know what? Then it's full systems go. It's not about being apprehensive to a certain degree. Like, you know, I've heard some people say, like, well, you know what, Daniel Jones is playing. One of the things that the Giants should probably do today, Jason Garrett and, you know, the offensive coaches in devising a game plan is, you know, maybe limit the RPO type stuff. Maybe don't get him out there with his legs and have him run the football like he ended up getting hurt last week in that goal line collision. Well, no, it doesn't work that way. You know, I'm sorry to say, you want to be cautious. Like, if we're going to all take all these steps to make sure that he remains upright and he doesn't take any unnecessary hits, you're taking away a big part of his arsenal, right? I mean, that's what Daniel Jones is as a quarterback. He's, in ways, a dual threat. You know, he brings that mobile element to the game. So you can't just eliminate, eliminate those pages from your playbook. You can't do that. If he's cleared to play, he's got to play. You have to be able to call a game and have Daniel Jones run this offense like you expect him to run the offense. And that's what I expect the Giants to do today. You have to, or else he can't play. And it goes without saying that, you know what, the Rams have a guy in their defensive line, namely Mr. Donald, who's as good as there is at that position in the NFL. And with that giant offensive line, it's got to probably scare you a little bit that it's going to definitely take two bodies, maybe even a third along the way to make sure that you – Stop him from wrecking the football game. And that's asking a lot because Aaron Donald, we know, can wreck a football game. And this Rams defense, which, you know, in years past was one of the better units, I thought, in the NFL this year. You know, they've taken their lumps. Teams have been able to move the football up and down the field on the Rams. But given this matchup, given this opponent, and given the way the Giants have been playing, at least on that offensive line, it scares me a little bit. You know, this could be. As I said, a recipe for disaster really on both sides of the line of scrimmage for the Giants. In terms of trying to keep those bodies off of Daniel Jones, that's number one. And as I said a little bit earlier, that giant defense trying to slow down the Rams on the other side of things. Now, all that being said, do I think the Rams win this football game today? Yeah, probably. But I woke up this morning... And I just have this, you know how sometimes like going into games, you have these like weird feelings, like you're not, 
like 100% all in, like maybe it's 95%, 90%, something like that. I kind of felt that way about the Giants today for whatever the reason. I've never been one, never. I have never been a guy who is all in on the West Coast team coming to the East Coast for a 1 o'clock kickoff. That always worries me. Remember, like the old Charger, the old Charger teams, especially like when you know Philip Rivers and North Turner was there, especially like whenever they had to come east for one o'clock kickoffs, they would lose every single one of them. I was burned. I don't know how many times in knockout pools over the years, picking those guys in those one o'clock starts. I learned my lesson, and then I found you know, in most teams, what they've done over the years to try to combat this is that they've come into town like a day early. Like they'll get here on Friday to be able to give themselves some extra time to get acclimated to the time difference and to get their bodies right. Not the Rams. Rams flew in yesterday like normal, like they were flying to a game, you know, five minutes away. So maybe that's going to be something they're going to be feeling today with this early kickoff. Who knows? You know, Sean McVay doesn't see the worth in coming out a day early. Hey, more power to him. For his sake, I hope he's right. But all those things being said, I I just wonder – you know, maybe there is an opportunity for the Giants to catch the Rams napping a little bit. Remember, they had those few extra days off from playing on that Thursday night. West Coast to East Coast, early start. Who knows? You know, that's why they got to play the games. But do the Giants need this one today? Absolutely. Is it going to be easy? No way, no how. And the clock is ticking again on not only just a lost season, And another disappointing season, which looks like we're headed for in that direction. But then it's going to bring up again another offseason of uncertainty. And to then what do you do next? I think we know what the eventual outcome is going to be if they don't turn this thing around is that there's going to be changes. Not just with the front office, maybe even the coaching staff, certainly with personnel. But, you know, if we take a step back here and evaluate the first five games of the season, you know, what has it told us about this Giants team? We'll talk about that, and again, like I said, some of these changes potentially which could be in the offing. I want to get into that as well, and I want to hear from you at 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Do you have any hopes for the Giants to pull the upset today and beat this Rams team? And do you have any hopes, more importantly, of them even turning this season around and for it to not be another lost campaign under the guidance of one Dave Gettleman, who... His job as the general manager, I don't have to tell you, is tenuous at best, the way things seem to be shaping up. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Giants-Rams from MetLife Stadium. Jets on the bye week. They're back in action next Sunday in Foxborough against the New England Patriots. I don't know if you know this, but ESPN Plus is the home for daily sports talk with Greeny, Canty, and Golick Jr., Jorge Ramos and more. Stream the popular daily programs live or watch replays anytime, anywhere. ESPN Plus content is available to stream in HD through the ESPN app on your favorite connected devices and on ESPN.com. ESPN Plus also gives you access to exclusive fantasy sports tools and premium articles from some of the most respected voices in sports news and opinion. All this is available as part of your ESPN Plus subscription. Uh, Dan Grasso with you here. If you want to get me on Twitter, at Dan Grasso, G-R-A-C-A. We're still waiting on the inactive list here for the Giants. Should be out in the next, I would say, 10 minutes or so. We'll see who's in, who's out as they try to write their season here. And it's going to be a challenge today against a Rams team. A Rams team, would look, I don't think they're a juggernaut. They are beatable, but Giants are going to have to play a lot more 
consistent football game than we've seen from them really all season. Even the game that they won against the Saints, let's be honest. I mean, it wasn't a, a, a gem from start to finish. It wasn't a perfectly played 60-minute game. They're going to have to play really, really well today to beat a team that's more talented than them, plain and simple. But if you take a step back here and you evaluate the first five games of the season for this team, you know, obviously you're one and four. It's not where you want to be. And as I said earlier, it's another miserable start for this football team. Miserable start meaning like out of the gate slow. And you just, the optimism wanes as you already are at the middle point of the season. Like, what is it that you have to look forward to? You know, what is it, like, this isn't anything more about, oh, well, you know what, let's find out if Daniel Jones is our quarterback. That's maybe the one saving grace you have this year with this team, is that Daniel Jones looks the part, in my opinion. You know, we thought all summer long that the excuses were going to be null and void if the quarterback didn't play well. Because they went out there and they beefed up the skill positions. Right? They had plenty of talent around him. Now, those guys haven't been available for him necessarily. But that being said, I think it reinforces matters even more that because some of those weapons have not been on the field week in and week out, and yet the quarterback has gone out there and I think by and large played pretty well. You know, you feel a little bit better about what he brings to the table and about him being the long-term answer for this football team. So I think that, to me, is the biggest takeaway for the Giants this season in the positive sense, is that the quarterback, to me, looks the part. Now, look, a lot can happen between now and the end of the season. I mean, shoot, we're only five games in, still have 12 more to play. And maybe last week gave you a little bit of a hint of his football mortality that you want him on the field, you want him producing week in and week out, and you want him out there to be able to fulfill what you hope that he can become. And the only way that he's going to be able to do that is if he gets the reps on a pretty consistent basis. You know, because if you look at this schedule right now, leading into the bye week for any hopes that you have about the Giants turning this season around, Rams today, then they have Carolina coming into the building next week. Our old buddy Sam Darnold is going to arrive into town. And, you know, maybe a little bit of a break for the Giants is that you're not going to have to contend with Christian McCaffrey in that game because he's on the shelf for at least three more games. They put him on the short-term IR. And boy, Christian McCaffrey, you know, wonderful talent, unbelievable player, but can he stay healthy? Can he stay on the field? You know, missed basically all of last season. A couple of games this year, and he's already down for the count. I mean, the guy's phenomenal, but he's, he's never on the field. So you got Rams, Carolina, then you got to go to Kansas City, which you know is going to be a chore, even though their defense stinks. And then they come back to take on the Rich Bisaccia-led Las Vegas Raiders and get used to saying that. And look, I don't know what the Raiders are going to be three weeks from now. I don't know what the Raiders are going to be tomorrow. I mean, I got a feeling of what they're going to be today, and today it's probably going to be ugly out there in Denver. You know, when you lose your coach in the middle of the week, in the middle of the season, in the middle of game prep, and now you got to go on the road to a division opponent, to a hostile environment. I mean, the Raiders can say all the right things. And you know what? When you got the quarterback, I saw the comment earlier today from earlier in the week. When you have Derek Carr up there saying, you know, as hard as it is, I'm trying to get my mind straight and worried about football and block out all those other things. If you have the leader of your football team, at least on the field, saying those things publicly, you know that that's the, 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 the majority of the conversation which is going on behind closed doors in that locker room. I would be stunned, stunned today, if the Raiders go into Denver and beat the Broncos. Because I think that that team is right now just directionless, to be quite honest with you. And then look, it's, it's no fault of anybody on that team. It's not the player's fault. 
They didn't know about the emails that John Gruden was sending 10 years ago. And we'll have some thoughts on that coming up in a little bit. But just like the Raiders were kind of, you know, when that news first broke before the game last week. You know, they looked like they didn't want any part of that game last week against the Chicago Bears, and that was a home game. But can the Giants right themselves going into the bye with those four games, Rams, Panthers, Chiefs, Raiders? Not going to be easy. Yeah, I think that there's an opportunity to win a couple of those games, but let's, let's say they go 2-2. Two and two. You know, let's say they beat the Panthers and the Raiders and they lose to the Chiefs and the Rams. That's 3-6. and six. Do you feel good about where you are at 3-6 and six after nine games going into a bye week? Like, is that a sign of, to you of progress that you figure this thing out? Then you come out of the bye week, by the way, and you got a trip to Tampa Bay to take on Tom Brady and his friends. How do you think that's going to go? I know that you won there a couple of years ago with Daniel Jones, but that was, you know, different Bucks team, different, different universe when talking about the Buccaneers. You know, you still got a trip out west to take on Justin Herbert and the Chargers a little bit later on in the season. You got the Cowboys coming into your building. You know, you got to go to Philadelphia, a place which, you know, doesn't really treat the Giants too kindly. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And today would be a heck of an opportunity to make that first step or take that first step towards turning things around here a little bit when you look at this football team and what they could potentially do. Because otherwise, hey, you might as well start putting the plans in place to turn this thing over again. And that's the last thing that the Giant fan wants to hear right now. Because you've been kind of spinning about for how many years, it feels like. I'm sure a lot of you know this, but today they're going to honor the 2011 Super Bowl championship team, 10-year anniversary. I know that it's good. Like, I know that, you know, okay, hey, 10-year. But is it really necessary? Like, I'm legit curious. Is it really necessary to do a 10-year? I mean, 10 years, it it just happened five minutes ago. And you want to pay tribute to it already? What I think it does, and this is where I think it, it, it serves as a disservice to this football team and to this organization now and what they're doing. It almost like is a reminder of how the mighty have fallen. And where this organization has sunk to in a short amount of time. I mean, 10 years, you're going to have to, you know, honor a championship. I mean, think about in other sports. Like, do teams usually do that? 10 years, we have a ceremony to, for, for a championship team. I mean, the Yankees won all those World Series or whatever in the 90s. Didn't they wait like 20 years before they did something? I think 20 years is, is the benchmark. That's when you first kind of do the whole look back thing. Not 10 years. So if I'm a Giant fan, I see that today. It's like, geez, we really stink now, don't we? That we have to sit here and we have to reflect upon what we accomplished just 10 years ago? And it tells me right now we don't have anything good going for us. That's what it says to me. And if you're a fan, that's probably what it should say to you. Maybe they're trying to, again, fool you a little bit and get your mind off of the current state of affairs for this franchise, which is not very good. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. As far as the Jets are concerned, week off today, following the disappointment of the London trip last week to the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and look, they have to do some, and I'm sure that they, they have, they will, they're in the process of doing some soul searching, doing some critiquing, and really getting back into the laboratory, as they say, to try to jumpstart this team in a lot of different directions, to be honest with you here, and especially on the offensive side of the ball. This was never going to be a year 
where you expected them to make the playoffs? Of course not. You know, when you were bringing in a first-year coach, bringing in another rookie quarterback, this was going to be a year for, for growth, for maturation, for development, all those things. And then trying to bring in other pieces on this roster to surround this quarterback and to surround some of these other key players, these youngsters, that you hope are going to be able to grow with moving forward. Like a guy like John Franklin Myers, who they signed to that four-year extension just a couple of weeks ago here. You know, that was a guy they got off the scrap heap when the Rams, ironically enough, put him on waivers at the end of his second training camp there. And this was a guy that Joe Douglas took a flyer on. They developed him, and now he's proven himself to be one of the better players at that position, and they were able to identify him as a building block and keep him around for a few more years. You know, that's the goal, right? It's identifying talent, developing that talent, and then keeping it around for a few more years. But, you know, when you look at what this team has done so far, the first five weeks of the season, and they still have a lot of season left, first and foremost, offensively, they have a few things to figure out. Has... The quarterback played well up until this point consistently. No, he hasn't. We know that he's had way too many mistakes. And that comes with the territory of being a rookie quarterback in the NFL. You know, you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to, you know, try to fit balls into some windows that in the past, when you were in college, you thought you could get away with that. In the NFL, you're not going to be able to do that. And Zach Wilson is learning a hard lesson. Um, the offensive line the first couple of weeks of the season did not play very well, not giving him enough time to go out there and, and go through his reads and his progressions and to deliver the ball when necessary. And then Zach will tell you by his own admission that, you know, he's got to get rid of the ball faster. I think on some occasions, you know, you don't have as much time as you did back at BYU to hold on to the football until a guy pops open and then to throw it. So I think it's all a connective process here. And it's something that he's going to have to get better at as he moves forward through the season and throughout his NFL career. But the offense as a whole, they have to be more efficient at the start of these football games. I I mean, it's almost laughable at this point. You know, you can't go five weeks into a season and still have not scored a point yet in the first quarter of a football game. I I mean, how, how do you expect to beat anybody? I don't care if you're the greatest show on turf. I don't care if you're the, you know, Joe Montana, Bill Walsh, 49ers, whatever prolific offense, you know, you want to talk about, you know, that we've seen over the, over time in the NFL. You can't just completely punt the first quarter of a football game and expect to play catch up the rest of the way. You know, I don't think this is any breaking news either. The Jets don't exactly have the 85 Bears defense to where you can expect them to go out there and shut out the opponent the rest of the game while the offense catches up. And you saw that rear its ugly head last week in the game in London against the Falcons to where the Jet offense woke up from their hibernation in the second half, which is what they've tended to do here so far this season. And they got it to within 20-17 to with still some time left in the fourth quarter to where, okay, if the defense goes out there and gets a stop, gives the offense the ball back, maybe just maybe they find a way to put a drive together and take the lead and you steal the football game. But what happened? Defense was gassed because the defense was on the field for a ton of plays, especially in that first quarter and throughout the first half. They were on the field for 93 plays the week before against the Tennessee Titans, which was the fourth most snaps that a defense was on the field for in the last 20 years in the National Football League, not just the Jets, in the entire National Football League. They had heavy legs. 
And they let the Falcons go 75 yards right down the field, put it in the end zone, and effectively end the game. It's complementary football. The offense has to help out the defense because the defense has been helping out the offense way too much, more than they should have to in the first five weeks of the season because the offense has given them very little. And the unfortunate thing about it is, is you know, you look at these statistical categories and, and, and what they've done offensively. It's not that much different from where they were last year when they struggled under Adam Gase. Now, look, I think personnel-wise, they're a lot better, but they've just not been able to do it consistently enough on the field. And one of the things I think that they have to do, and they'll be the first ones to tell you as well, they got to find a way to get Elijah Moore more involved in these games. You know, you look for guys who are playmakers, guys who can make their impact on football games. Guys who have that speed element, explosive players. Elijah Moore is one of those guys. He has the ability to be one of those guys. If you followed the offseason, whether it was OTAs, whether it was training camp, this guy was unstoppable. You know, he was like the most exciting player on the field, not named Carl Lawson. They have to find a way to get the ball into Elijah Moore's hands and let him go out there and make his mark on these football games. I mean, think about it. The Jets have played five games this year. Elijah Moore, is there like one play that he's made this year that, that even stands out to you? Not for me. And what they're trying to do is, you know, play him mostly on the outside because they said even though he was primarily a slot receiver at Old Miss, this is a guy that can still function on the outside because they have Jamison Crowder as a slot receiver. And Jamison Crowder is one of the better slot receivers in the NFL. He's a veteran. You know, you saw when he came back – in game four against the Tennessee Titans, the impact he had on that game. So while Crowder's still on this team, he's going to play. But it also hamstrings them a little bit offensively because maybe Elijah Moore is playing out of position a little bit. So, look, I don't know if Jamison Crowder's still going to be here once the trade deadline comes and goes. Couldn't answer that question. But I think in the future you're going to see Elijah Moore probably is the primary slot guy. And then that's going to leave open a spot on the outside, which, hey, you would hope that somebody like a Denzel Mims gets to see more of an opportunity out there. And, and that's been a big talking point so far this year. Why isn't he getting more reps? Why isn't he getting on the field more? You know, you know the same reasons why. Same reasons they're telling you. That he's getting better each week. That he's learning the playbook. He's learning all these positions. All I know is, is that when he's out on the field, they throw him the ball, he catches it, and he makes big plays. So... If it's a way to jumpstart the offense, that's what you want to have happen over these next, what, 12 games that they still have on the schedule. You know, defensively, they're going to get a little bit healthier. There's a chance Jared Davis is back next week, one of the starting linebackers who I think would be a big addition. There's a chance that Marcus May comes back. And, you know, we'll see what Marcus May's future is going to be with this football team, you know, come November 1st or whenever that trade deadline is especially if the Jets are out of it by then and, you know, they don't pick up a couple more wins between now and then. Joe Douglas is somebody who hasn't been shy trading away guys who are, you know, free agents at the end of the year and maybe don't fit into the team's long-term plans. So there could be some decisions that have to be made between now and then. But I would say, you know, even though it's five games and there's still a lot of football left this season, I think that if you're a Jet fan, you probably are disappointed at the way the season has gotten off here collectively. And he would like to see the quarterback take strides in starting to develop and be a little bit more careful and efficient with the football. And this offense as a whole getting on track earlier in football games. And I think the next week is a good test. It's a good test for the whole team, good test for the quarterback and the offense because 
I think it goes without saying the worst game he's played so far this year was against the Patriots. Those four interceptions, four interceptions on his first 10 throws. Now he gets to see that same defense, that same scheme, this time up in Foxborough next Sunday. And you know that Belichick is not going to throw the same looks at him. He's going to have new wrinkles to try to confuse him. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's say hi to Iron Staten Island. He's going to jumpstart things for us here on this Sunday morning on 98.7. Ira, good morning. How are you? Hey, good. What's happening, Dan? I'm glad you're on today, even though it's a bye week. And, you know, you. you know, it's funny. Um, of course, it's a disappointing right now up until now, but you still got a long way to go this season. You know, one of the positives, I, I felt that the offensive line has had better pass protection the last two weeks. Um, you know, that's on Zach. You know, he just got to kind of clean up his game. But the, the whole topic of getting playmakers involved, you know, whether it's Michael Carter, the running back, getting him the ball in space, Elijah Moore, like you hit on it. You know, there's no reason why they can't figure out a way, to, whether he's in the slot or even outside, get the ball in his hands with his blockers in front of him and let this kid run because he can fly like the wind. And you know what? I love Crowder, and I wanted to keep an experienced veteran in the locker room. I get that. But if it's going to be at the expense of – you know, Wilson and Moore not getting a connection, and that's the future. And you're going to have to move on from Crowder. But with the Mims and Cole situation, I don't care who plays on the outside. But that's what you need to see. Going forward for the future of this team, you want Wilson to start connect with Moore, whether it's Mims and Cole opposite Davis. And, and they just have to figure out how to jumpstart this team early in games. I mean, I, I to me, I'm scratching my head. They have two weeks to play for the Patriots. You know, they have to come out. They have to be aggressive. And you know what? If they win the coin toss, let them take the ball. Put it on yeah. the offense. Show some confidence in them. You know, that, that's the way I approach it. Ira, I don't disagree with you about that last one especially. You know, get out on the field, try to make your point, and, and, and thank you for the phone call. I mean, th- in this day and age, in the National Football League, you know, an offensive-centric NFL no points in the first quarter through five games. I mean, that's, that, that's hard to comprehend, but, but they've done it. They know what? They haven't been a good football team through the first five games. And I'm sure a lot of people know, look, I mean, a lot of teams, they script the first 15 plays roughly. And those are the ones that they work on in practice. So they kind of should have those plays down cold, right? They should be able to master those plays. But when you're going three and out, three and out, three and out, and you're known having – I mean, each week when, when, when Greg and I are sitting there doing the games and, you know, we're, we're, we're tracking all the plays and we're, you know, keeping track statistically and, you know, analyzing the game and whatnot, it's almost like I can copy and paste the last few weeks, the first quarter output. I mean, the statistical disparity between the Jets and whatever opponent it is, I mean, it's so one-sided, but it's the same thing week in and week out. It's like the Jets have six or seven plays in the first quarter, and the opponent is in double digits. The Jets had the ball for maybe three, three and a half minutes in the first quarter. The, other, the opponent is, you know, double digits in time of possession. And that shouldn't be the case. If you think about last year under Adam Gase, and, the, and I mean, look, we know that that wasn't a good offense. We know that they weren't good last year, but the Jets were good on the first drives of the game. You know, they had that part figured out, and we always said, oh, hey, those were scripted plays. They, they practiced them. They knew what they were doing, and they had success. Then it was always after that first drive when they couldn't build off of that, and they couldn't make the necessary adjustments and changes and be able to have, have success throughout the rest of the football game. Now it's the opposite. 
but you just can't keep digging yourselves the hole to the size that they've been doing it in the first half by not scoring enough points and, more importantly, not giving your defense a breather. You know, you got to be able to sustain drives. you got to move the sticks. I mean, just keep the control of the football so your defense is not sucking wind to the extent that they've been in the second half of these football games. It's too much to ask. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> All right, let's get some picks. Maybe win you some money. There, oh, I love the music. Love it. Love it. Gets you in the mood. Gets you in the feel. Three games for this week. Let's go to the nation's capital. We were talking about it a little while ago. That's going to be our first game. Kansas City, six-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against the Washington football team. I know that Washington is retiring Sean Taylor's number at halftime. Cut short way, way too prematurely in his life. Forget about his career. But that's secondary to the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs need to stop the bleeding here in the worst way. You know, the Chiefs have underachieved so far this year. They're in last place right now in the AFC West. Who would have thought that was ever going to happen? You know why? Because they got a defense that can't stop anybody or anything. But you know what this game is for the Kansas City Chiefs? This is what we like to call a get-right game for Kansas City. And they're going to get right today. Chiefs are angry. Chiefs are mad. Chiefs have a high-octane offense, which... Let's face it, Taylor Heineke is not going to be able to keep up with over on the Washington side of things. You know, Kansas City, even though the three losses are probably a little bit more than you would have expected to see five weeks into the season, look at who they've lost to. They've lost to Baltimore by a point on the road. They're really good. They lost to the Chargers by one score. Chargers are really good. And then they had the rough one last week against Buffalo. Oh, by the way, Buffalo's really good. The teams that they're expected to beat this year, they've beaten they're expected to beat Washington and they will beat them today they'll win this one comfortably they'll win this one by at least double digits take Kansas City minus the six and a half in Washington for game number one game number two we'll go out to Ohio four o'clock this afternoon Cleveland Brownies home for the Arizona Cardinals the last unbeaten team in the NFL the Arizona Cardinals. Browns. Boy, that was a tough loss for them last week, was it not? The Baker Mayfield, Justin Herbert duel in L.A., and the Browns came up one possession short. But much like Kansas City, you look at Cleveland. Who have they lost to? They lost the heartbreaker last week in L.A., game they could have won. They lost the game at Arrowhead week one to the Chiefs, a game that they were winning pretty much the whole time, and then Patrick Mahomes pulled it out at the end. They lost by four points. So Cleveland has lost two games this year by a total of nine points against two good football teams on the road. They haven't lost a game at home yet. They had a pretty convincing win against the Texans, which isn't much of a surprise. Then they beat up Justin Fields and the Bears in his first career start. Browns are a good team. Browns have a good defensive football team. Arizona limps in today. And when I say limps in, they limp in. They're not going to have Chandler Jones. Remember Chandler Jones? He had like five sacks in week one. He hasn't had any since. He's not going to have any today because he's not playing. He's got COVID. Cardinals aren't going to have their head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Why? Positive COVID test. Couple of assistants as well. Positive COVID tests. You hope that that doesn't spread too seriously and they'll be back. But it's not going to help them today. 
Arizona, give them credit for the 5-0 start. I just don't think they are as good as a 5-0 football team. I think they've been playing with fire just a little bit. Remember, they could have easily lost to the Vikings at home in Week 2 when the Vikings shanked that very makeable field goal at the gun. I think it was like a 35-yarder. They could have easily lost to them. They were in a game in Jacksonville up until the fourth quarter, which was a little bit of a head-scratcher. And even last week, they failed to put away the Trey Lance-led San Francisco 49ers at home. They are due to slip up. Today is going to be the game where it happens on the road against a tough opponent. I like Cleveland in this game, even if the Cardinals did have their head coach. But they're going to be kind of like functioning with a bunch as a bunch of guys with their heads cut off a little bit, not knowing which way to go. I don't know who the hell's even calling plays today for Kyler Murray and company. Browns are going to take advantage of it. Give me the Browns in three and a half at home to hand the Cardinals their first loss of the season. Now, game number three. There were a couple of different directions you could have went for this one. I was thinking about taking one of the big dogs Maybe taking the points a little bit. I told you earlier, I think the Steelers are going to have their way with Geno Smith in Seattle tonight, but I don't know. I'm still scared off a little bit because I don't trust Pittsburgh's offense. I like their defense, just don't like their offense. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to old reliable. And what I mean by old reliable, it's got nothing to do with his age, even though he is old in football terms. We'll go to Aaron Rodgers. And we'll go to the Packers today at Soldier Field against the Bears. Green Bay's a better football team than Chicago. They had a scare last week in Cincinnati. They got it done. But you know what? The Bengals are an improved football team. Hell, the Bengals might be a bit, not not might be, Bengals are a better offensive football team right now than the Bears are with Justin Fields at the helm. I hate the Bears coaching staff, especially offensively. They have no idea what the heck they're doing. Bear defense, not bad. Rivalry games always worry me a little bit. But the Packers are better than Chicago, plain and simple. And I think Rodgers is going to want to take it out on the Bears, on Justin Fields, the Rook. I'll take Green Bay minus five and a half as my third game for this week number six. So, Green Bay minus five and a half, Kansas City minus six and a half, and Cleveland at home minus three and a half to hand Arizona their first defeat of the season. Those are the three picks for week six in the National Football League. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. You know, one other game we haven't talked about, how about New England today against the Dallas Cowboys up at Gillette Stadium? I think Dallas will win the game because they have a lot more firepower. I mean, Dallas is a good football team, and certainly they have a lot more firepower than the Pats do, um, which is a testament to the Cowboys and how far they've come here in really a short amount of time. But, you know, you look at New England, and they're still tough to figure out. And they were pretty much the team that you didn't have to worry about figuring out for 20 years because you knew what you were getting. You were going to get a well-rounded effort from top to bottom in all three phases because they were the gold standard. But they have the game against Tampa Bay to where Belichick puts a game plan together where he shuts down Tom Brady and company, or at least, you know, for the most part does. And then they go out to Houston last week, and then they can't slow down Davis Mills, a rookie quarterback with the Texans. So what is Dak Prescott, what is that Cowboy offense going to do to them later this afternoon? I think they're going to score some points. You know, the Cowboys are clicking at the right time. And unfortunately for New England, 
When they lose this game today, I mean, they're dropping an 0-4 at home. I mean, when did you think you'd ever see that for the Patriots? 0-4 at home. And then the Jets are going to have to walk uh, up into that next week at Gillette Stadium, which, you know, may be a difficult assignment for them, of course, trying to uh, break back into the win column here and even the score against the Patriot team, which handed to them pretty well in the home opener back in week number two. So that'll be interesting to watch coming up this afternoon here.